A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Truthy is Life fam. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. The Truthy is Life is actually on a season break, but that doesn't mean that I'm done serving you up. There are good reminders about life and how we're in this together. Although I'm currently on a break, this podcast lives on playing some of my favorite episodes from the past year. We'll pick back up mid-September with fresh new content, new voices, new stories, new experts, and new conversations to keep you living authentically and radically your amazing, truthiest self. I'll see you here soon. Enjoy today's episode. I know you'll be alright, even when times get hard. And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your truthiest life Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. It's your host, Lisa Haim. This week's episode is, I think it's pretty unreal. It's with Melissa Wood Tepperberg of Melissa Wood Health. If you don't follow Melissa on Instagram, I highly suggest that you listen to this episode and then give her a follow because I have found in my life that she's a very bright light that I look up to. That doesn't mean that she is always going through greatness, as you will hear in this episode. However, I think a lot of people see her success. She's got a lot of followers, a very successful business, Melissa Wood Health, the fitness program or the MWH method, which involves meditation, yoga, and Pilates. You know, she's got a lot of people who support her. But I think when we see people that are at this level of success, we assume that it was easy to get there, that they didn't climb a ladder and that everything in their life is really very easy. My favorite thing about this episode is that at her level, she really shows up in the present moment and gives to us so much of many things that she doesn't really share about on her other platforms, as well as keeps it really candid. She's Again, like a really big following, but it's not scripted. She's really answering her questions from the heart, which to me is proof that she's doing her work every day, her inner work and showing up. I mean, she cried a little bit on the episode. I I cried a little bit afterwards, just kind of digesting it all and thinking about all the ways that we go about life thinking that everybody else has it all together and it's just us that don't. When in reality, every single person is a human being. Every single person has their pain points. And every single person, every single day is going through those pain points. It's not just seasonal. Of course, there are certain things in our life that we need to get over and then we move into the next season and it's a little bit easier. But every day we're facing these little demons, these little obstacles. And every day we're getting over them. And we have to remember that that is part of the process. That's part of being human and we are not broken. So excited for you to hear this episode. Would love to hear what you think. If you love it, 
Be sure to share it on your social media, share it on your story, share it with your friends. And thank you so much for supporting The Truthiest Life. Let's jump in. Welcome, Melissa. So excited to have you on The Truthiest Life. Welcome. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to be here with you. As I'm turning into a mom very soon, I look up to you. I have looked up to you even before this stage of life. But the one thing that I have to ask you before we dive into all the questions that I got is (laughs) you show up even right now with so much joy and you do so much from really mothering to really running your business to having friendships to being a wife, all these different roles and hats that you wear. Joy just like keeps like it it exudes out of your cells. And as somebody who I'm joyful, but I struggle with my mental health and everything like that. Does this just come naturally to you? Oh my God. Well, first of all, thank you. That's really just such a compliment. And no, it does not. (laughs) It definitely does not come naturally. You know, for me, I really work hard at focusing on the things that make me happy and that create that spark of joy in me. You know, I'm also someone who struggles with my mental health and works very consistently at doing all the things and all the practices that I share so that I can really tap into that joy. And like, even in like the simplest things, I mean, I will say I've become a a really like happy, content person, but my moods can shift really easily. And, you know, I think it's, it's with the prioritizing of my practice where I have found more consistent levels of joy within myself. And I notice on the days that I don't show up for myself, um, maybe as long as I would have liked to, you know, I have like, I strive for certain things a day, but it doesn't like today is actually, this is a great time to talk about that. Today has been a struggle for me mentally. And I think where before I would so quickly just allow myself to just you know, soak and breathe in all the stuff that was coming up. And and not that I don't let it come up and feel it and process it, but I choose to focus my energy elsewhere. Like I'm like, okay, like I can continue this day in this negative headspace, or I can just look at my daughter, you know, who I like spent the entire morning with. And I'm like the innocence and the happiness and the joy that comes from her. I'm like, The other stuff really isn't like, I don't need to allow that to take me somewhere, you know? So I'm always in this constant battle with myself. You know, I talk to myself a lot of just pulling myself out of the shit and the stuff that can so easily bring me back to those negative thought patterns that were my entire world for most of my life. Wow. I mean, I think that that's, the power of like conversations and having you on here because you share real on your, on your Instagram. I don't go to your page and feel like you have a highlight reel. Like you share when your patience is low the other day, like the real mom stuff, the real business stuff, all the real stuff, but there's something very different about hearing it from you and hearing about how your practice really saves you every day. Not that every day. that it it like, you know, rescued you one time, but that you're also in the throes of life with us, even though when you show up to your platform, majority of the time, it's after you've prioritized your practice and your heart is open and you're able to give. Entirely. You know, I say it all the time because I was a very different person. And I processed the things that come up for me very differently in the past. And while I still like my initial reaction and response to the things that come up is to go right back to that old toolbox that didn't serve me, but it felt really good in the moment, you know, and like all the things I have to work really, really hard to do everything that I'm doing and to be the person that, that I want to be, you know, I've always known that I wanted to be this woman. I just had no idea how to create her and how to become her because I was so swallowed in all my darkness and the stuff that 
brought me down for so long. And, you know, I think as, as a person who's constantly like, you know, prioritizing my piece is my number one priority in every single day. Yes, I have kids. Yes, I have a husband. Yes, I have a business. But if I don't take the time, even if it's just a few minutes, like right before this, I did a little something to help ground me. And it was five minutes, but you know what? Five minutes is better than no minutes. And I take what I can get and I I make sure I, I get something in somewhere because if I don't do that, I don't, I would not be where I'm at today. And it's interesting because like I said, in the beginning, you have so much going on. Your plate is so full and there are plenty of women who are quote unquote successful and men that you know, are financially successful, familially successful, interpersonally successful, but they live with this state of stress that they are constantly running off of. And mm. the energy that they're putting out into the world, although they've got all those successes going on, is intense, but it's also dark and it's pulling them down and it's pulling yeah. them around down. When you are squeezed, it feels, you know, again, those are, you have major things on your plate every single day, many people to take care of. Love comes out of you. <laughs> oh, you can make me cry today. <laughs> I'm feeling tears. I say squeeze because I saw on your story that you were reading The Knowing, um, Serena and Sage's yeah. book, and we had yeah. Serena on the podcast, and I was actually reading the book this weekend, and um, Serena told the story about how her dad would get on stage and give it and hold an orange, and he would say, what's going to come out of this orange when I squeeze it? And everybody would say orange juice or juice, juice would come out of it. Yeah. And he was highlighting the example that when most people get squeezed, things that come out of them are like the projections of their anger. And again, when it comes to you, like when you get squeezed, love just is coming out of you. And it's a, a chemistry shift that I hope to achieve myself because with stress, I revert back to my old patterns and poor coping mechanisms, which steal from the love. And there's just no, no yeah. time for that when we've got big things to do on this earth. <laughs> I had that conversation with myself today. I'm like, am I really going to let what's bothering me take, you know, like my daughter and just like being with her, I, like we went to town, we got bagels and we, I did one thing that she wanted to do. And, and I'm just like, this is where my energy needs to go. And I am someone who, I mean, I, my life's work is to bring that love out of me and everything that I do, because I know what it feels like and what it feels like to live a life where there is a lack of love and there's an entire focus on the fear of what if, or focusing on all the, the things that really don't serve you. So it's a choice. It's a choice I make the moment I wake up every hour of the day, you know, I keep coming back to it. So um, thank you. I mean, it's like, it actually makes me like choke up that that's what you feel and what you see, because it's, you know, with the work that I share, I want everyone to feel that in my presence, whether I'm struggling to feel that myself, mm -hmm. whatever I choose to do, I, I really dig deep to, to choose that luck. Because if I'm not providing that in the work that I'm doing and giving, then I'm not providing it for myself. And like, even when it's a struggle, because it is a lot of the time. And that's why, you know, it's so important for me to share that because it's not always the easiest for me, you know, but I work at it. I work, I work hard at it. So I know I've listened to on a bunch of podcasts and everybody wants to know your skincare routine. Everybody wants to know <laughs> what you eat and your hair and your jewelry and all the beautiful things that go on on the outside. But for some reason, the most engaged I've been with your content. I mean, I'm engaged when you're talking about your food and your skin and your hair. I want it to, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I, I don't know when it was, and I know it's been more than once as well, but when you talk about your life pre how everybody sees you now, your New York City life as a model, I think you worked in nightlife. And then mm -hmm. when you worked at, I believe it was Bloomingdale's, right? Did you work yes. at Bloomingdale's? I did. Yes. I guess because I have like a similar history of past jobs that a lot of people don't know about. And those were the most shaping experiences for me. I love seeing you go back there and 
put it on your stories, like share those people and those experiences with the world. And I really, I hate to say this, but it's just the truth. I'm sure you have a lot of haters because you are very successful. (laughs) They've they've grown. (laughs) Let's just unfortunately say that. I I get it. I mean, with the good come, come that, but that means a lot of people don't get to see the ladder that you climbed. And even though I've seen snippets, I don't really know. And then there's the assumption that you just, you know, were probably born into money or this was easy to create and all that stuff. So can we go back before the glamour, before the marriage, before the kids, before Melissa Wood Health, and just start with... First, where you grew up and your family life. Well, I can tell you that there was a very broken girl to start with. And I am one of six kids. I have four sisters and a brother. I'm the middle child of the five girls. So just imagine that (laughs) for a moment there. You know, I grew up in Syracuse, New York. My parents divorced really young. So growing up in a home, you know, my mom worked so many jobs, wasn't around much, and it was stressful. You know, like I think back to childhood and it was, it was stressful. That's like, just like one word that comes to mind. You know, I think just always trying to make ends meet and do the best with what you have. But like, for me, my biggest task as a child was to mask all of the stuff. You know, I, I didn't want people to know the broken home that I came from. I was really ashamed of it. And I, I think when you grow up poor and you, you know, do everything that you can to make ends meet and you have quarter lunch and you don't want your friends to see you paying your lunch with a quarter because then they know you're the poor one. And, you know, it just like, that's where my mind really goes to when I like really think back to my childhood. And then it, you know, it was this opportunity that I got, like, you know, years later, I came to New York. It was the first time I had ever come to New York at that point. I don't think I had ever really um, traveled much at all. Like I hadn't been many places. And I, I came with a girlfriend, got a job that weekend was like living with my boyfriend and just up and moved to New York. I'm like, I still think back to this all the time. I'm like, how did I do it? Like, you know, I'm a fire sign and there's a lot of fire in there. And I'm like, I worked three jobs. I've always been very independent. You know, it's like the second I could get a job, I was working on a farm picking strawberries. I don't even think I was, was I 14? I was so young. And then I worked at a pizza shop and then I worked in makeup. You know, I've, I've always had this, this thing kind of brewing inside me, but I, I didn't really know what it was, but I just kept kind of feeding it. And right before I moved to New York, I was bartending on the weekends. I was working at an auto supply company. And then on the days I wasn't at the auto supply company, I was, I was going to school. And then I was working at the makeup counter during the day before I would bartend at night. And I was just a worker. I've always been that way. So I came to New York with substantial cash. So I thought, And then that was gone. It was all gone in one month of New York. And I'm like, oh my God, they had like $10,000. I was like rolling in the dough. And I learned really, I mean, I've always been a survivor, but I really learned how to survive in New York. You know, you throw a girl who has that much money to her name. You know, my parents didn't come help me. They couldn't. They're doing the best that they could. And so I, I got the job at Bloomingdale's, started working at the counter, and it was a tough gig. It was like, those women don't play. <laughs> I learned right away. It was Survivor there. It was like, we, were, we all worked on commission, and I was this happy, bubbly, you know, the new young girl at the counter, and it was a threat to a lot of the people, and it didn't go down so great at first. And then I ended up becoming really friendly with everyone. I don't even think I stayed there a year because I got a job at Marquis as a cocktail waitress. So I started cocktailing on the weekend, which, you know, I was like, what? <laughs> like, I can make this much money in a night? And that really kind of opened my eyes. But it's, it's funny. I'll be really honest with you. Even talking about this, like talking about this stuff does, it like brings up a lot for me, you know, it's like a little uncomfortable and I wonder why. And I think because these are topics that like, yes, I've shared and I've brushed, but like, I don't ever really go 
to the depths, you know, and that, that is one reason why I have this book brewing inside me to really share in, in a really raw, truthful way. I think, you know, for a lot of people that have worked these jobs, like the jobs that I've worked that are kind of odd jobs, I still had a good security to fall under during those times. Like the rent was getting paid, the food was being put on the table. For you, that wasn't the case. It was like you had to fight to sell that lipstick up against the woman who had been, you know, selling (laughs) it for 50 years if you wanted to pay your rent that night. A hundred percent. That's like a, you know, you were in a dog world mindset to survive. And it certainly is hard to, I would think that it's hard to go back to that time when, you know, I, I don't know, does it bring up feelings of pride at all too? It does. It, it does. I'm someone who it also makes me uncomfortable to like talk about the things that I am proud about myself, but I'm, I'm learning to lean into that discomfort because when I really think back to everything that's gotten me to this place, I'm, I am extremely proud of that. And these are things that, you know, I share with, I share with my son now, like he's very into Benjamin's very into like sizes of things like, and listen, he's grown up very different (laughs) than I've grown up and he'll walk into someone's house and he's like, their house is smaller than ours. And I'm like, Oh, we don't, we don't do that. (laughs) Like you're looking at mommy who grew up, you know, I got made fun of for that, the size of my house. And it scarred me as a child, you know, and, and he's like, well, why? And, and not that he can't say this house is small or this house is bigger, but I, I try to put it into context where I'm like, well, listen, I got picked on most of my life because people said I lived in a garbage can and that shaped the way that I felt. He, you know, I, I want him to understand that stuff. And when I share more of it, he's like, Oh my God, mom, like, I can't believe that, you know, because he doesn't know he's, he's growing up with such a different life, such a privileged life. And it's, it's so important for me to maintain that level of humility with him as well. Like he's young, but I I don't think it's ever too early to start those conversations. It's also just widening his perspective without making him, you know, still providing a sense or, and you're still providing safety for him, you know, but it's right to just understand, you know, I think he's just making observations and for you, it's like, okay, well, here's what you can't see, even though this is what (laughs) you can see. So thank you so much for sharing about those parts of your journey. Like I said, I think that you've climbed a ladder and most people are joining you at the top and not getting to see, and I'm sure there's so much more, but just a glimpse into the hustle and the life experiences that you had, I hope will you know, for, I think a lot of us are just naturally inclined to hate. So, you know, whether we're looking at you and your beautiful life or somebody else, it's important to just realize that it, it wasn't always this and there's so much more to every person. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. 
And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So meditation is a big part of Melissa Wood Health and your platform. I have found that meditation for me and for everyone that I speak to really looks different is different. There's different types of meditation. So this is your saving practice. You say meditation is your medication. Yeah, it literally is. (laughs) I'm curious how long it took you to find the right type of practice and how you knew that something had clicked. So I'm honestly, like right now, I'm really into Kundalini and trying that practice on and like really committing to it because it's so challenging for me. So in a sense, I'm, it's like, I'm always kind of looking and and evolving to see what really makes an impact for me. I mean, you know, I, I started with transcendental meditation. So that was how I learned to meditate. And I committed for a very long time of 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the early evening. And it made a massive impact on me without a doubt. It was almost like the first time that I sat down to do it. It was this like a thank God you have found, like you, you've arrived. Like, thank God, like you just need to like all the stuff that, you know, have, has come before this, just like, let it be, let it rest, like be with yourself. And I felt this immediate kind of wave of peace wash over me. But I think just because you're a a meditator doesn't mean that you just like, can't wait to meditate every day. You know, I have to literally drag myself there most days, but I know that what it's helped me do is it's helped me see myself differently. Like that was the first shift because when I started meditating, I was covered in cystic acne. I had a secret eating disorder that I didn't share with anyone. It was like my own little deep, dark secret. And I was so nasty to myself, just like with everything, with the way I punished myself with food, with the way that I worked out, I like was abusing myself, the way I talked to myself when I looked at myself in the mirror. And after I would meditate, it wasn't always like you wake up and you, or you get off the pillow and you're like, oh, wow, I'm different. It was more so, you know, I, I noticed it throughout the day. I would look at myself in the mirror and it would almost be this like, oh God, you're like your skin, you're so broken. And I'd be like, but you're such a beautiful person. And I started to like see myself a little differently, you know, and where it was almost uncomfortable to love myself in that way before, because I wasn't used to it. It was this relearning of love. And 
the more I did it, the more it just, it was like that. It was like the love started to flow within every aspect of my life. And the more love I gave myself, the more love I gave everyone to like, and you know, it just started to really come through me. And it was through that, that I, I, I tapped into a creative sense within that I've, I've always been creative. I just, I think I wasn't, I wasn't able to hold it at the time, you know, like when I had the aha moment, when I was walking home after a class where I felt awful and I had a really bad history of working with people who made me feel bad about my body, who would call up my cellulite, who would ask me, you know, what I ate because I looked bloated. My thighs look bigger. Like I would continue working with people that abused me in the past because that's how I treated myself. I abused myself. I treated myself horribly. So through this practice, um, which started out, just answer your question, because I'll go on a tangent and then I'll be like, did I answer the question? Transcendental meditation. And then it really moved into more of like a mindfulness meditation. And that's really how I guide is more of the, the mindfulness um, awareness and really opening up that consciousness. But it just like, you know, everything started to open up. It was like, I was almost like living with like this dark cloud and then everything just started to lift. And, and that's when I, I had that moment of like, I want to be a teacher. Like I want to be someone who makes people feel good, who brings out the best, like doesn't make them feel bad for whatever they did the night before, or maybe something they did wrong in the class. Like what if I continue to just literally show them love and make them feel good in that moment. Right. And, and that was it. I mean, it was literally just a moment and then I ran with it. And, and I think, well, I know a lot of the reason I ran with it was because of my husband, um, really lighting a fire underneath my ass and calling me out because I I'm, I'm a talker. If you haven't gotten that yet, guys, <laughs> and I, I love ideas and I love talking about all the things I want to do, but I did that for a really long time and I never followed through. I didn't know how to execute. I, you know, I'm a worker, but when it came to actually grooming a, like a passion and molding it into really like my existence and, and have it become a part of my life, I didn't know how to literally, like, I'm, I like, I didn't know how to, you know, even in school, like when it came to studying and tests, like I, I'll be honest. I cheated a lot of the time. I always <laughs> found a way and it's awful. And I definitely don't want my kids to do that. But, you know, my mom was busy. She didn't have time to look over my work and I just did whatever I could to get by. But then as I grew older, it was almost like I didn't know how to complete something. <laughs> you know, it's like it really stood in my way. You cheated yourself. Yeah. So it took my husband kind of saying to me one day, like, I love all I ever hear you do is talk about everything you want to do, but I never see you do it. And it killed me that he said that to me. I was really pissed. And then after I got rid of the anger and it landed and I realized he was right. And I realized that maybe I would stop talking for once and start doing. And that's when I got to work. So when you said that you were taking classes and people would say things about your body, the cellulite, the bloating, do you mean workout classes? So that kind of feedback was when I was working privately with certain trainers. Got it. Coming home from the class where there's a, there's a lot of ego in uh -huh. fitness classes. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, nobody cares. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, I'm not going here to fill your ego. I'm coming here to feel good about myself. Like, I think, you know, it's a lot of the reason why I'm so passionate about everything that I do, because I knew I wanted to change that narrative. And because it it's I, I think it's really toxic. It's a toxic environment. And it's one that unfortunately, when you're in that mindset of toxicity, you'll attach yourself to it because it seems right. It's how you treat yourself. And then, you know, I, I honestly clearly don't frequent classes often anymore with the pandemic. And, you know, I'm so into everything that I do, but I do feel there's a massive movement in this space of this being more loving and kind and gentle to yourself. So that makes me really happy. And, you know, if they're not working with me, working with someone who makes them feel good is it's so important. I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of forgot about how that can be out there. And, oh. and most importantly, there are going to be listeners that think that that's what fitness is. So, I know. I did. 
Wow. I thought it was that. That's how it was supposed to be. I thought if you weren't literally being abused by your trainer, that wasn't a workout. (laughs) And I mean, mentally, physically, emotionally. I mean, it's crazy. And then I had an awakening and I was like, that is actually not the way. I don't think that's the way. And now you show people that's not the way, which kind of answers my next question. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels. A story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So many people are averse to meditation. I teach mm-hmm. meditation. I teach meditation. I incorporate meditation into the work I do because it's a tool to help people reconnect to their bodies when it comes to food. Yes. And with so much listen to your body, not nonsense, but it's not tangible meditation and the types of meditations that I do with my students can help them experience things. Nonetheless, when left to their own devices, people will resist. They won't do them. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just a struggle. So in your practice, you've really put, I guess, like a cool spin on meditation where people are willing to try it and do it with you. So what do you think you're bringing to the table that has failed them before. Thank you. I've never had anyone say that to me before. Um, I 
believe it is this, this welcoming energy, this feeling of belonging that like, no matter who you are, what past experiences you've had. And and I, I feel, you know, a lot of me guiding as a teacher has come from like almost talking to like that little girl within me and that like broken girl and just talking to her as I'm talking to everyone, because we all have that, you know, we all have that peace that we can beat down. And then we realize, and like, you look at your kids one day and you're like, Oh my God, I've been so brutal to myself. And like, meanwhile, all I needed was to like have my hand held and to be put in a, a, a place where you actually feel this essence of love. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say because I'm the one guiding, but I feel that that is it because that's what I, I really try to give when I guide is this like, you know, I don't know. Like I, it's always so hard for me to answer these, but like, this is where I always lean on my team. I'm like, Oh God, guys, please tell me like, what is it? Like, I don't, it's hard for me to say it about myself, but I, that's what I energetically really try to move through me. So I think that's what it is. So you, it feels like you create a container, an environment that's safe enough for somebody to get still. Which... Oh, that, she's really good. <laughs> You're <laughs> so good with your words. Well, what I, what I like again <laughs> about you is the organicness and the non-scriptedness. Whereas if somebody else... And I'm not saying that I've worked with somebody else or there is somebody else that does this. But when I think about somebody like you who has, I don't know how many subscribers, but lots and (laughs) you do interviews all the time and you talk about your product all the time, I almost expected like my meditations work because they are 15 minutes long and that's all we have. And, or, or to, to talk about like the specific thing about your meditations, but instead, I mean, your I don't know, I think was like, just show up, come as you are and be the inviting space where it's like, that is what is missing from the conversation about meditation. It's that welcoming energy of, Come as you are, give it a go yeah. and leave feeling a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, right? Doing interviews and podcasts, especially. And I read through everything you said through, send through like days. I don't go back at it because the last thing I want is for everything to sound like a script and like a plug. And I'm just like, like, you know what I do? Like, I'm not here to, pl- I'm here to be really honest And especially for people who are interested in this space and, you know, creating their own thing. It's, I think what really works in, in any space is to really be truthfully and honestly yourself. And, and that for me is like, is, is sharing the, the times I'm like, I don't know, like, I don't have the answer a lot, you know, and, and it might not even be like articulated correctly, but it's me, you know, like I, I really try to keep that because that's what makes you who you are. I actually just had a memory. I didn't have this written down to ask you, but I don't know. You probably don't remember, but it was about a year ago and life on the internet was a crazy place to be. Very dark. And Mm -hmm. you shared something and I reposted it because I thought it was really powerful Mm -hmm. and you got a lot of shit for it. And I like checked in with you after and you're like, you know what? I meditated on it before I said it. And then I put it out and I feel good about it. And I was like, whoa, like during (laughs) a time when I was being like smacked around like a, like, like a tennis ball, like somebody was like, don't say this, say this, don't say this, say this. And I was like, I don't know what, I don't even know how I feel exactly what you said. Like you showed up with intent and by doing so you reminded me that like, if you're sharing from your heart and it's organic and it's truthful, you will not get shaken. You can always grow and learn and do better if that's the case in this situation. I don't, I don't remember the details of it, but I remember you just like specifically giving me that tool in a DM. Like, and I was like, okay. I do remember that. You do. It I do. really affected me. And I was like, whoa, because again, it was that moment where you were being squeezed And when I get Mm -hmm. squeezed, I get stressed and flustered and scared that I upset people and da-da-da-da-da. And then you were just like, I sat on it, I meditated, I believe it. And I'm like, (laughs) Yep. 
Ooh, that is, that is powerful (laughs) stuff. (laughs) I live by that. Last year was incredibly challenging for all of us. And I think one thing that it has really given me is how to move through chaos in a way that is not to please everyone, you know, along the path. I'm such a people pleaser at fault, like debilitating. Oh my goodness. I mean, I almost didn't even get into this space years ago because I was so concerned with what everybody felt and how would, you know, how, how would everyone in my life, like my, my in-laws, my friends, my, you know, my follower, whatever. And last year really helped me hone in. And this is going to sound like I don't care because I care too much. I had to stop giving a fuck. I had to, because it was not helping me. And I have, I mean, it's crazy because like there's been a couple of things recently that I've shared and I've gotten so much shit on. And you want to know what I did about it? Nothing, (laughs) nothing. I didn't respond. I didn't engage because I know where it came from, from me. And if it wasn't read that way, it's unfortunate, but I just, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to explain myself and, and listen, I might still do it. Who knows? Right after this, like I could probably go into it trying to explain myself, but I'm really learning to not focus on all the stuff and all the fluff and all the noise. You say this a lot too. It's like quieting the noise because it can take you. It can take you in so many different directions and it can take you away from the beautiful work that we're trying to do. Yeah. I know. And I say this and I talk about it and I talk about it on my, my podcast probably more than anywhere else, but it's like, the past year, I really shut down a lot because of that fear. I wasn't able to break through and really look at myself and see that what I can give is more important, you know, is bigger than that. And I'm still kind of coming out of it, I feel like, which it's just, it's, it was just hard, but to see you again, I look up to you in so many ways to see how you do it. And even like you said, like you might go back to explaining yourself if you say something that other people have things to say back about, I think there's a time and a place to explain, to try to clarify. And then there's a time and a place to be okay being misunderstood. That's what yeah. I'm working on personally. No, you're right. It's true. And and there are times where I'm like, oh, I feel like I could really, but I'll be honest, I don't have the capacity. I don't have it in me. I don't. Because once you explain, then comes the second wave. And then you upset these. And I'm just like, I have to take care of kids. I need to like make sure dinner's on the table and get my kids to bed and make sure my mental health is at like a stable state to go through the day. Like I can't cater to everyone's needs in this moment. Like it's crazy. I mean, it's changed a lot for me. I mean, I used to be the girl who responded to every single DM, every single comment until I realized how much energy that sucked out of my life. And while I'm so grateful for the community and the support, I found ways to respond to things in a way that it's not every single message and and to share, you know, in like a broader sense where you touch on things and um, it doesn't take away from caring. It just, it's, you have, you have to have boundaries in that protective layer. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not even like a boundary in the sense of like my space and you guys are over here. It's like my space. I hear you. I'm just not going to do the tit for tat anymore because there's not enough me to go around. It sounds like yes. what you're doing, which I love that. Yes. And and you're still still making your audience feel seen because you are seeing them. You are yes. still interacting, but not on a way where you then show up to your kids and there's nothing left of you or your team and there's nothing left of you. So Right. There's a lot to learn from that. On an Instagram post from your birthday this year, you shared that you are like not into birthdays and it brings up stuff for you. But this year you allowed yourself to be celebrated. And Mm -hmm. I think that for a lot of people take birthday in, you know, in or out of the conversation, people are not comfortable being celebrated. Mm -hmm. And every human has something to be celebrated over, whether it's their birthday or not. But what shifted in you, do you think, to allow you in this moment in your, I think you're in your late 30s, right? If that's Mm -hmm. okay to say. Yeah, no, it's okay. To really allow that 
into your life and not resist it? I think I've spent so much energy on previous birthdays, just like hating my birthday. And, you know, I I cry every year on my birthday. It's just like inevitable. It always happens. It's just a sensitive day for me. And and of course, it goes back to childhood of maybe um, not feeling special enough or whatever it is, you know, coming from big families. I think it's it's hard when you're, you know, your parents are doing the best that they can and, and not that they ever meant to make you feel a certain way, but certain you're just affected. Everyone's different. But for me this year, it was my husband and my team. It's going to make me cry. Sorry. (laughs) I'm so sensitive today. I could feel the tears. They made me this video of everyone in my life just wishing me happy birthday and like saying what they love about me. And it just made me like, I'm like, I'm so loved. Like, I'm so lucky. I have so much love in my life. And like, I can, I can take it, you know, like allow it to come in. And, And I had a real moment of like, don't push us away. You know, like you've been doing this for so many years and it, it doesn't make it better, you know? So I cried. I definitely cried on my birthday and had a weird thing and something upset me. And it's all brings back. It's just like childhood triggers, but it was that, that like, it was just such a beautiful moment. And I, I allowed it to come in and it was just a little bit of a breakthrough for me. Yeah. And and piggybacking on that, it feels to me and I'm sitting very far away, but that there's a theme that there's a lot of positive, warm, uplifting female energy around you and from your friends, your business, your family, even I've seen you post your in-laws, you know, yeah. Any wisdom on how to attract those women that uplift you? Because I don't think a lot of people experience that type of feminine energy in their life. It's not easy. It's not. I think for me, I've always been a a very supportive friend. And I think it's, it's the same thing, like, you know, when someone tells me that they're, you know, they want a boyfriend and they want all these things, but they're not getting it. And, and I always go back to, well, you know, if, if you want more love, give more love. If you want more support in your life, be even more supportive to the the people that you do have. And I do think it carries through, but not with everyone. And I'm, I'm having this moment in my life right now where I see it and it's upsetting when you are the supporter and then you're not the one always being supported. So I really try to let go with love instead of going into like the caddy zone of getting pissed off and this and like allow myself to be pissed, but don't even bring it to the surface. Just like with arm's length, like send all the love that you possibly can, even if you have to be really like, if it takes a few days, cause you're so pissed and then like it will subside and keep sending that love and be that vessel for everyone in your life. And and it does come back, you know, and if it's not and your circle keeps getting smaller, that's okay. It's okay. But it starts with you. That's, I think, the missing component that I'll think a lot of people. I do think so. I do believe so. I I think it does. I mean, I I've always been that way. I love support. I love supporting other women, other people. It's it's such a beautiful thing to, especially when it's kind of just like when someone's not expecting it, and they're like, "Oh my!" You know, it's beautiful to share something that you love, and you're and you're not getting paid for it, but you just genuinely really love. And it's a small business owner, and it's it's beautiful, and it does come back in your in your life in so many different ways. And keep giving all the things that you feel are like this lack in your life. And it does, that. it it shapes everything. I think that's really sage wisdom that carries us far. Okay, so my last question for you here, because you've got probably got a lot of things to do today. Is, <laughs> I just, you know, your relationship without going too deep into anything here, because that's something that I respect (laughs) within you. I'm just really curious, you know, you both live, have really demanding lives as many working husbands and wives do. How do you come together at the end of the day and find any sort of collision point, if you will? Like, how do you not just live parallel lives where you're doing Melissa Wood Health, he's doing whatever he does, and you're just on the tracks of life? How do you come together at the end of the day or the week or any tips? Oh, it's 
so important. It's especially with the world opening back up, like Noah's so busy again. I'm I'm almost just like bye. Last year was so nice spending so much time with you. Like, see you later. It's the just as I prioritize my practice, it's it's prioritizing some space and time with him. And it's 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 not always a lot, but when we have that time together. I really do try to just like be fully present with him. And it's hard. It's really hard with kids, especially at the end of the day when you're tired and you're just like, you have to go to the grocery store. Okay, I'm going to bed, you know, and what you have, your you have a moment and it's, it's planning things. I am not a big planner. I hate planning things. He's a phenomenal planner. So he's really good at that. But, you know, we're going away together for a week and we haven't done that in a really long time without the kids. And for me, it's saying yes to things more often. I used to travel with him all the time to work. And then I birthed my own business and my own baby that needs, you know, I need to tend to. So I can't go to Vegas. I can't go to London. I can't do all these things, but I pick and choose select trips where I'm like, okay, I can go and then I can do a little bit of my own business, but like we can do something together. We'll go on a hike, the bike ride. It's like squeezing in micro moments. A lot of the time we don't do a ton of date nights to be honest, but when we do have that time, it's, it's sacred and it's special. And, and even just like when I'm thinking of him, I like to send a message. I'm like, I'm thinking of you. I know you have a crazy busy day. I think it's just saying that keeping that connection and being thoughtful about what your, you know, significant other is going through. We, we become so consumed in our stuff. And, and I do, I get really consumed with the things. And if, if I'm going through something, um, like I hit max capacity real quick. I'm like one of those people. I'm like, I can't handle a lot of stuff. He can handle so much. And I'm so blown away by his capacity to hold things. So, um, it's the communication. It's keeping that communication. We've been together almost 11 years. Oh my gosh. This fall. And, uh, you know, having my own business helped me see him differently. Like mm. I really see him and respect him in a way that I'm like, wow, how do you have 60 plus venues with thousands and thousands of employees and have to worry about all these things? And you have all these like fire, you know, it's like fire drills constantly, but you're, you know, he really maintains such a, a beautiful, just like presence with the, with our kids and with me and, and doing things. And I, I think that's what it's about. It's not about like the the quantity. It's about like the quality moment. And it seems like you respect him and he respects you. And that's a fundamental. Oh my God. More than anything. I respect that man more than anything. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your whole heart with us. I know we touched on a range of topics, none of which were surface. So (laughs) thank you for bringing your tears, your laughter, your joy, and all of it. I'm just so appreciative to have you on the internet and in real life too. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lisa. Honestly, you're, you have such a gift in bringing out like, no, it's, it's, it's always so interesting doing podcasts and being interviewed. Like everyone has there's such a, you know, it's, it's a style and, and some people it flows and some people it does, but you have such a beautiful presence and you, I felt really safe with you. Oh, so what I tried to provide to people you provided for me. So thank you for having me. Definitely the goal. We'll put all of Melissa's information below how you can check out Melissa Wood Health. Um, I know you're going to want a lot more of where that good energy came from. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. 
this time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.